Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. You see, there is nowhere else that we would rather be and that we should rather be than right here, right now in His presence. And I'm so blessed this morning to stand in front of you to to observe, (laughs) to see all the tissues, to see all the teary eyes. You know what? That's great. It's wonderful. Because I'll be honest with you, I'd rather look upon the faces of those who respond to the presence of God in the way that you do. As opposed to others I've been in places before. Where the glory of God, the presence of God, tangibly, physically, manifests in the room. And there are still people who just sit there or stand there, just looking around, looking at their watch. But that's not you. And this is why I know that I know that I know that I know that we are right now primed, primed for ignition, for growth expansion and multiplication do not think that your brokenness that you have endured has somehow disqualified you some of you here this morning need to hear this for in fact it is the act of the purging the pruning and the breaking that therein lies the greatest honor, privilege. Because God specializes in using the broken for His glory. Let me explain this. The one whom has not been broken and is used for God's glory tend to take the glory for themselves. But the ones whom have been broken in the process, in their pursuit of His glory, will always at all times reflect the glory of God. Because we in ourselves can do nothing. We in ourselves, we are like the moon. In opposition to the sun. The moon in itself has no ability to emit any light. Yet when we look at the moon in the night sky. Even this week as I looked at the moon. I mean it illuminated my entire backyard. As I was standing there looking. I mean it was like a spotlight was shining on my home. And yet the moon in itself has no ability to emit any light. The moon doesn't even have an atmosphere. But we cannot deny that when we look at the moon, if you were to look at the moon through binoculars or even a telescope, it's going to burn your eyes. So why is that and how is that? Scientifically, they will tell you that it is because the moon simply reflects the light of the sun. The S-U-N, sun. But in that lies a powerful illustration of what it means for us who are in Christ. We in ourselves cannot reflect or we in ourselves cannot emit any glory. We in ourselves have no ability to shine bright. We have no inherent ability to do so. And yet there are those who shine their light so bright. Jesus said we are a light to the world. Collectively a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. How is that possible? It is because there are those whom have applied themselves 
to the process of renewing their minds. And as a result, it leads to a life where every single aspect of our being is transformed into His image after His likeness. This is why it is our greatest calling to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And as a result, we reflect Him, Jesus, as the sole expression of the glory of God. And so that brings me to, in essence, the introduction for today's message, which is going to deal with the glory of God. And in essence, any kind of introduction on a human or language level would fall short. And this is why the Lord, even now, moments ago, Himself introduced His glory. Because how do you truly take what it is we just experienced? You know what you felt. You know what moved you to either the point of tears or going all the way and beginning to cry. Why? There is no natural reason to be in this facility this morning and to be driven to tears. It is because when the Lord invades the space and when His presence is made manifest because there are those in this place who are hungry and thirsty for more of Him. There are those whom cry out to Him and as a result the Lord responds to our heart's cry. And He comes where He is welcomed. He comes where He is longed for, where there is a longing for Him and for more of Him. And so He comes and He manifests His glory, His presence, and He fills the room with what we can refer to as His aroma, His sweet-smelling fragrance, with His presence, with who He is. And it is in that place, and even now, in this atmosphere which is the atmosphere of heaven sometimes people ask me this question you know pastor kevin how can it be that in heaven you know we will not be married to our spouse anymore you know will i not miss my spouse will i not and then this is what i typically would tell them is have you ever experienced and felt a love that is so deep, that is so moving, that is so unconditional? I can illustrate it this way. That time that you met your spouse, you were so filled with love. You were in love. I pray that you still are in love. But let's be honest, you know, the, the first time, the first moment you held her hand or she maybe took your hand. You know, that feeling, that sudden rush of emotion and sudden rush of excitement. And then maybe came that first kiss. And literally, as some people would testify, the earth stood still. In that split second, you do not think about your work. You do not think about your family, your friends, even though they are very dear to you. You do not consider finances. You do not consider health. You do not consider anything, really. And as sad as it may seem, you know, you do not consider the ones who are in need. You do not consider those ones who are hurting. Because all that exists in that moment is that person. Now imagine that moment. You all know, I'm sure all of you in this room, have experienced that before on a natural level. Now take that feeling and multiply it by like a million and keep it there constantly. That is going to be your constant state of mind in inverted commas when we are with Him in all of eternity. The angels who encircle the throne say, holy, 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 and they've done so for who knows how long. 
The word holy means different, set apart. Every time they encircle the throne of God, something different about the nature, the attributes, the character of God is revealed to them. You'll never get enough of Him. There's never going to be an off day. There's never going to be a time where you're going to enter into the presence of God and think to yourself, oh, you know, it's this again. I'm telling you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. And we are going to be with Him in all of eternity in the fullness of his presence where there is not going to be the ability of interference by any demonic activity or agenda or wicked individuals or anything else there is only going to be the fullness of his glory so some define or try to define the glory of God as the infinite beauty and greatness of His manifold perfections. God is absolutely perfect. Others might say, well, the glory of God is God's holiness on display. Remember I shared with you this analogy before, and for those who might have never heard it, let me just quickly share this again. An eagle in the nest that you can just see the head sticking out if you take a photo of that. If you go to America and you are lucky enough to see a bold eagle, even in the nest, you are a lucky individual. And you would be able to take that photo, you would be able to look at this bold eagle, and that is still a bold eagle, although it is in the nest. However, if you were to walk in one of these nature reserves, let's say in America, and this eagle flies out of the nest and flies like right over your head and all of a sudden whoosh, opens those wings and soars right above you. Everyone would look at that eagle and say, behold the eagle in all his glory. And this is what it means when we are talking about the fullness of his glory. This is what it means when we talk about him being perfect and him displaying his absolute perfection to us if this is something that blows your mind it is supposed to because we cannot put god within our limits of our mind if that was possible to wrap our little brain around god he would not be god and this is why I am perfectly okay, even as a theologian, someone who has studied, and I've studied for a long time, and I obtained my doctorate many years ago, and I'm still learning, still studying. But you know what? I am content in saying when it comes to certain things and certain doctrines where I might not fully understand, nor does any other person for that matter, we can merely speculate. But I'm content in saying I do not know and I do not yet see the full picture. I'm content in that. Even Paul said, you know what, for right now we simply look into a, into a dim mirror. We do not yet have, in essence, the fullness of the picture. Paul even said we prophesy in part. So there are certain things that speaks of the fullness of him and we cannot even get the basics within to the limitations of our minds some might even say it is the physical expression of god's holiness quite simply put as i typically say and even said a few times already this morning that the glory of God is the atmosphere of heaven. That is for me the easiest way to describe it. It is the atmosphere of heaven. This is what it feels like to a very limited degree of what we can humanly experience of what heaven is like. It is the atmosphere of heaven. And so when the glory of God comes, 
Understand in His presence there is fullness of joy. So do not be surprised when people just begin to become joyous in His presence. No one touches them. No one speaks to them. No, they just begin to erupt in joy. And there's nothing wrong with that. There might be others who might be sitting here right now and as we are in the presence of God. The atmosphere of heaven, the glory of God. And you know what? There is no sickness and disease in His presence. There is no poverty and lack in His presence. And so this is why being in this atmosphere, you can literally be sitting right here without a hand being laid upon you. And God Himself goes to work. God Himself replaces that non-functioning organ and does a creative miracle in your body and replaces that organ fashions a new organ for you fashions that new liver for you fashions that new kidney for you fashions that new heart for you takes out the cancerous tumor by the root and it is dissolved completely in totality because of simply being in his presence but you see religion and tradition even among, well, especially among the Pentecostals, where we have been led to believe that we must wait for the man of God to lay hands on us. That is what it means to operate in the anointing. Now, there would be times when I would simply lay my hands on you when I can already see God is at work within you, that the Lord is already busy doing a work. But then there are those who do not believe that God is able to touch them right there where they are because the eyes are so fixed on the man of God and not the God of the man. Do not fall into the trap of religion and tradition into thinking that I must wait for the man of God to move and miss the move of the Holy Spirit. Make sure. Some Christians also erroneously think that the glory of God is somehow reserved for only a few hours on a Sunday morning or maybe a few hours on a Sunday evening or somehow limited to a certain conference when you have a glory conference or when you title it according to the glory of God or the theme of the glory of God. But that's not true. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, God says this, He says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me. But there is once again a condition and it has to do with when you seek me with all your heart, not part of your heart. As human beings, we love to compartmentalize where God has a compartment or occupies a piece of your life. There might be Christians who might even say, you know what, God is prominent in my life. But God is not looking for prominence. He is looking for preeminence. There's a difference. Being prominent is taking up a lot of space, a lot of time. A lot of devotion. Preeminence means putting God first. You see, if we do not put Him first, it doesn't matter what we put second. Because it is truly in Him that we live and move and have our being. Outside of Him, there is no life. That's what we have to settle within ourselves is that outside of Him, we are nothing. Outside of Him, there is no life. There is death. There is decay. There is destruction. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the enemy comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life. Have it to the full until it overflows. He speaks of abundant life right here on earth. That is your portion to all of us who are in Christ. That's our portion. And so I want to share this story with you. And it's from 1 Samuel chapter 5. 
1 Samuel chapter 5. And it's the story of the Ark of the Covenant that was being transported and then something happened on the road. But quickly, just with regards to the Ark of the Covenant, for those of you who might not know or might have forgotten, it's been some time since Sunday school many years ago. The Ark of the Covenant was a vessel that was synonymous with the glory of God. It was a symbol of His presence and His glory upon the earth. What it was, it was simply a wooden box. It was a wooden box made of acacia wood, but it was overlaid with pure gold. You would have seen it in pictures, in various movies, documentaries, and there were these angels that were seated. They were fixed upon the lid of this incredible vessel. And God made certain statements pertaining to the storage of this vessel as well as the transportation of this vessel. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, we read about a time when the Philistines had captured the ark. I want to start with this. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. Listen to this. This is when the ark of the covenant fell into the hands of the enemy, the Philistines. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple. That is a false god. So they took the ark of the covenant and placed the ark of the covenant that is a symbol of God's presence and His glory. And they took this divine godly vessel and they placed this vessel inside of a false god's temple. And it is a temple that belongs to the false god Dagon. And they set this ark inside of this temple, listen to this, beside Dagon, beside that idol God. Verse 3, so when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, come on, someone say the next day. Not, not, not a week later, not a month later, not a year later, the very next morning when they arrived, they found that there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and they put him back in his place. When they arrived there, Dagon was where? On his face, where? Before the ark of the Lord. What that signifies and illustrates is here is this false God lying on his face, worshiping the God who is the real almighty God. Now, I'm putting this in inverted commas because obviously a false God is not real. He doesn't exist and therefore he cannot worship. I understand that. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> what I mean by that is, is what it illustrates, what it symbolizes, is here is Dagon, this false God, in a place where he is in essence humbling himself. He is lowering himself because he stood on a pedestal inside of the temple. The temple that is devoted to worshipping him as a false god. So where he stood high and mighty, adorned in his temple. A temple that is devoted to him, that carries his name. The next day when they arrived in the temple, you can imagine the horror on the priest's faces is here is the mighty Dagon, the statue of this God of theirs, who is right there on his face in front of the presence of God. You see, it gives new meaning to literally every knee shall bow and every heart and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One way or another, there will be a day that you would have even voluntarily or that you will forcibly get on your knees and there will be those who will get on their faces and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
But I pray that you would have made that decision. And that would have been your heart's cry before he arrives. Because then it's too late. And so then, it's not done. It's not finished. They took Dagon. Now they put him back in his place. But the following morning, the very next day, as they rose, there was Dagon again fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. But now this time, his head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold and only his body remained. You see, when they dared to take back and put back this false God on its pedestal, that is where God had to make it very, very clear to them that that statue which had never fallen prior to that incident had now suddenly fell to the foot of the Ark of the Covenant, a vessel representing the presence and glory of God Almighty. They thought to themselves, okay, well, maybe it was just the wind, you know. Maybe There's something weird, but listen, we're not going to ascribe it to anything supernatural. It was just... It was just not stable enough. You know, these things tend to happen. You know? And so they put it back in its place. Can you see the danger of being in the presence of God, being in the glory of God, where it is very, very clear that He is God, that He is Lord. And then people walk out of a meeting such as this right here, right now, and then they once again enthrone the false gods and the idols and the things of this world. Be very careful. Be very careful. Watch what it is that you idolize. Whether it's material goods and possessions, resources, finances, whether it is a person that you idolize. Can be all kinds of different things. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol. Anything that you gravitate to first could be an indication of that being your idol. When you face trouble, if there's a person that you phone first, that person's become an idol. You are putting that person in the position of God and you are circumnavigating the proper process and protocol in which to take where you should first and foremost run to God, you run to someone else instead. I'm not saying despise wisdom that comes from wise men and women or people that you confide in, people who you trust, but make sure that when something happens that your heart moves in the direction of God first and foremost. That when you face a situation, you know, it's not gravitating towards the bank first, not gravitating towards something or someone first, but that in all things, He might have preeminence. And so what happened is Dagon then fell the second time, the next morning. But only this time his head was severed. His arms were severed. And it just illustrates the way in which God deals with anything that is false. Anything that is opposite to what he stands for in his presence. And so this is why we have many times in the presence of God, we have demons that just begin to spontaneously just begin to manifest because of His presence. Because ungodliness, sinfulness, unrighteousness, wickedness, call it what you want, cannot sustain itself, cannot function in the presence of God who is absolutely holy. It's impossible. And so this is why they manifest. Isaiah 59 verse 19 says this in the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now what is so powerful and I have an entire teaching on this that I would not have the time to go into today. But let me just simply say this. That the original word of God did not contain any form of punctuation. So they are not commas. They are not full stops. 
They're not semicolons. Also, chapters and verses is simply what we as man created in order to navigate the Word of God more easily. The original text did not have those things, okay? So what we need to do is look at the placement of this comma within the context of this verse. Because what is interesting is this. When you consider the latter part of that verse, where God says this, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. What does those words mean? Lift up a standard. I mean, what, what, what does that mean? You see, we do not speak like that anymore. <laughs> you know, I will lift up a standard against you if you do that. What does that mean? That word in the Hebrew, the word standard means this. means this. To fly into fight. To move with a sweeping motion. That speaks of flight. It's like my children many years ago. I remember they watched Alvin and the Chipmunks. And they have this thing where they say, they call it the flying squirrel attack. Have you ever seen that? Where, you know, you just open the closet and then the squirrel just jumps at you. That is called a flying squirrel attack. That is to, to move in flight against someone. That is possibly the best illustration I can give you. And so in the entirety of that context, this is what I do not appreciate with the mindset of many Christians, even when it comes to, you know, translations of the Word of God, is where they are biased and they are governed by their mindset or their religious framework of the past. Because there is this notion that somehow, you know what, the enemy always has the upper hand. Why is that? Even after the finished work of the cross, that we still believe that the devil has the ultimate power. As though there was not a cross on Calvary. As though there was not an innocent man who bled out and died that day, who was buried and three days later rose in victory. For us to subscribe to a defeated mindset that the devil is still all powerful, it is to crucify Jesus again at best or even at worst to totally and utterly nullify the cross is to look upon the one whom was pierced and say, Jesus, this was not enough. Because that's ultimately what we communicate. Where we read a portion of scripture like this and we want to sort of put the focus on the enemy. You know what? When the enemy comes in like a flood. No, 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 no. Who is the one who comes in like a flood? It is God. When the enemy comes, God will move in a swift act. He will fly, fly into fight against the enemy. He will come like a raging tsunami against the enemy. And that is what is meant by His standard. That is the standard in which He deals with anything and anyone that opposes Him or any single one of you whom God has anointed, appointed in this hour. Come on, if you are those who believe that, come on, let your shout be the loudest in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The devil is a defeated foe. And you have to remind him. Jesus said in Luke 10 and Matthew 10, Jesus said, all authority I give you over all the power of the enemy. That nothing in no way will harm you. Nothing. That doesn't mean that you just sort of, you know, you know I know the, the battle has been won, praise the Lord, you know, and you just go into, I'm just going to let it idle. No. You fight. You stand up. Because the only reason why the enemy is allowed to run rampant in the world is because Christians simply look on and shout from the sideline or even worse, whisper from the sideline, well, devil, you actually defeat. But there he's going to go and there he's going to cause devastation and chaos. The devil is not intimidated by you sitting on the sideline whispering to your friend, you know, I see him running, but he's actually defeated. Then why don't you go and stop him? Why don't you go in the spirit of David and go and confront him? This is where people get it wrong. Because you stand up for what is right. And then these, these Christians, oh, yeah. Pastor Kevin, you know, just, just enter into the peace of God. You know, God has already given you the victory. Praise Him. Yes, I know. 
I know. But this is why it is so important for every single one of us to stand up, to rise up against the enemy, knowing that, to make it very clear and to reinforce the standard that God has set against the enemy. You know, even this whole week, this has been the craziest week probably in the entirety of me being in the ministry. The reason I say that is this week, what is now probably the last 10 days, I noticed on my social media, for example, that there was just incredible growth that was starting to take place. I mean, every single post that I put out, there was hundreds of interactions. And obviously you can see on social media, every single post with the hundreds of interactions, hundreds of comments, that it has the reach of thousands of people. So although there might be only 500 likes, let's say, you look at the statistics and you would see that, you know, that post alone reached 15,000 people. The statistics and analytics are there in the back end that I can see as an admin of that page. And it was soaring. It was just beginning to escalate. It was beginning to take off. Both mine, Pastor Chantel's, as well as the one that we use obviously for us as a ministry, Dominion Church. But mine in particular was starting to really escalate. I mean, there were two posts that, were, um, that saw engagement and, and reach of people over 50,000 strong. One post reaching over 50, 60,000 people. That's not paid advertising. That's not boosts. That's not sponsorship. That is just organic reach. And even this last week, you know, I connected with some of the, you know, it, it's, it's always a humbling experience to get messages from people whom I respect and look up to. I'm talking about individuals across the world. You will know them if I say their names. Getting messages from them and support. You know, hearing from them and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm humbled. And then even, you know, to see some of them follow my page and I'm like, wow, this can only be God. And then to see how it just is beginning to soar and then all of a sudden, one morning, just waking up and seeing, you know what? Put up the post as I would normally do. And all of a sudden, you know, after two hours, there's five likes. Unheard of, uncanny, uncharacteristic to the page that I have that which was busy happening. And then I noticed the same thing on Pastor Chantel's page, on Dominion Church, but worse so on mine. So then I started to just test what was busy happening. So I just put out another thing. And I know what things typically have more engagement versus others. So I did things that actually would really spark a lot of engagement. And I noticed that even doing that, that particular instance, after six hours after doing that, making that post, there was not a single like, no like at all. And then I noticed that there was activity happening on the back end because I received the notification that there was someone who flagged one of my posts as being inappropriate. But then when I looked at the back end, it clearly stated that there were no violations. So in other words, what possibly happened is, is someone somewhere or people somewhere decided to get together and maliciously attack these pages to report it to cancel myself and Pastor Chantal and us as a, as a church to de-platform us, in essence, taking away our ability to speak and to reach the many people that we obviously have been, that we have been reaching. And as I was seeing this, where literally it went from tens of thousands of people being reached per post to all of a sudden just nothing. I'm talking 300, 400 versus 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 per post. Unheard of, uncanny. And then I got a phone call from my hosting provider where we have our web server and they showed me the web logs, how there were brute force attacks attempted against my website, our ministry website, people trying to get access to the page or to our, our server, trying to come in. And we find, we're, we're, basically they tried to brute force their way to the front door, if I can illustrate it that way. And then when they found that that's very secure, as you can imagine, it's the front door. What they then tried is they tried what we can refer to just very simply put as backdoor entry. So what they tried, because it's like, you know, sometimes you go to a house and the front door is locked. You know, there's all kinds of chains and all kinds of beams and everything on the front door. But then you just walk around, you find the kitchen door is open. 
You know, it's not even, the door's not even closed. The door's even open, you know. So they tried backdoor access, and when they couldn't get that, they were trying basically side entrance access. So they're trying to break into the windows. And we've got every single one of the subdirectories, everything of the places where they were trying to get in, yet it is secure, and they were unable to do so. I also have their IP addresses, and I can see where it originated from, if it obviously is not that it was through a VPN that, that they had tried to obviously orchestrate these attacks. Looking at the kind of attacks that was... Um, orchestrated against us we are not dealing with a sophisticated group of people okay in other words people that would understand how to properly do that so I would assume the IP addresses that I have because it is South African you know that these are the IP addresses of the actual individuals who are behind this so it goes without saying that there are people out there who do not like us and I'm okay with that but you see, when it gets to a point where they are beginning to touch, to hinder our ability to preach the gospel, now people get up and say, oh, Pastor Kevin, you know, it's just, it's just Facebook, it's just Instagram, you know, just, it's real life that matters. Hello, there are people nowadays, the young people, Generation Z, Gen Z, young people, if you're below the age of like 25, okay, they are individuals who refer to themselves as digital nomads. We are dealing with a, with a generation where every single thing of your life has been documented because your mother already put up pictures of when she was still pregnant with you. When you came into this world, it was announced on social media. Your entire development and going through all of the growth stages, your first tooth that was lost is on digital media. Your first day of school is recorded for all all of life for everyone to see for all of these big companies to know about you every experience that you've ever had every person you've ever dated Facebook knows social media knows about every person you've broken up with every photo you've put up every photo you've deleted every place you've gone to every place you've you know all of that is recorded and so we are dealing with individuals who no longer go to the library. We are dealing with individuals who hardly even you will find them in the street to go and engage with them and preach the gospel to them because they are almost exclusively on their phone. And so this is why it's not about, you know, well, Pastor Kevin, you're just afraid of being canceled and deep. No, 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 no. Your limited mind, you cannot even understand what we're talking about because you're still living like it's 1965. It's not. It's not. And this is the issue. Where it can be because of only a few people who begin to report pages. And they reported us again yesterday. I mean, last night, here it is. You know, what breaks my heart is here is a moment where Chantel is doing something, stepping out of the boat. And then only again for certain things to be flagged and everyone who sends her messages of encouragement she was not allowed to comment on posts because that ability was taken away by the social media platform uh, we took the screenshots we've got everything where it says that because of continuous violations her ability to comment on posts has been taken away for an undisclosed time now, there was an option to disagree, to lodge, in essence, a, um, a, a what, what would you call it? A dispute. Thank you so much. And we did that. And then I logged on to my personal profile. I don't even use that anymore. The one where you can add me as friend, opposed to the one that you can just click like or follow. The page versus a profile. And so I go onto my profile yesterday because I wanted to share some of the things to my profile for whoever is still there, following me there. As I switch to that profile, due to constant violations or continuous violations, I was able to comment, but my ability to interact, to like, to show a heart to her, that was taken away. And it still is now. And so... This is where individuals do not have the guts. I want to say something else. But they do not have the guts to come and approach me physically. But this is where they can be these absolute cowards behind their little mouse, behind their little computer, where they see something is busy happening and they want to come against the man and woman of God 
who is anointed and appointed in this hour to do what God has given. And the only reason I say that, and I say that with absolute humility and fear and trembling, because I understand that I'm not here for myself. I am here on a divine mandate. I have given up everything to be here for this time, for this season, and for this mandate, for this vision with every single one of you. And the one thing I just want to say, since we're talking about the glory of God, and everyone's still saying, you know what, we should go back to the book of Acts. Yes, we should, most definitely. But you see, people want the power of the book of Acts. But are you ready for the consequences of the book of Acts? Ananias and Sapphira lie about their giving. And Peter says, how dare you lie in the presence of God. Poof, dead. Here comes Sapphira. Is this all that you vowed to give? Yes, of course. And then he says, listen, there they are carrying away your husband. That's what's going to happen to you. Poof, dead. Acts 13. Paul is trying to preach the gospel. And there is the one who hinders, who hinders the preaching of the gospel. Where there is this official that is, that is interested to hearing more. And as he's busy sharing, you know, he's the one just, you know, he's the one just countering everything that Paul is saying. And then Paul just has enough of that situation. We are talking post the crucifixion, burial, resurrection, ascension, outpouring of the Holy Spirit time in the book of Acts. Acts 13. And he looks upon this one whom is resisting the work of the ministry, who is resisting the manifestation of, of the plan and purpose of God. And so he says to him, how long will you still hinder the progress and the proclamation of the gospel? How long will you still do this? How long, and how long will you still be a stumbling block? How long will you still be the one who continually tries to close the door when Jesus has opened the door? And that's why I put it out on social media this week. That Jesus is the one. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I have opened up a door for you which no man will be able to shut. And so as a result of that, if you now go and vow, I will close every door for this person. If you vow to close doors that Jesus promised to open, that is operating in the spirit of Antichrist, you are a friend and a, you are a child of the devil, an agent of the devil in that situation. And so Paul looks at this one, the servant, who's constantly yap, 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 constantly resisting, constantly trying to taunt the spreading of the gospel. And he says to him, listen, today, right now, you will be struck with blindness and poof, unable to see. Acts chapter 13. Hey, let me tell you this. You have possibly never heard that before. You've most definitely not heard a pastor ever preach that before, yet it is the word of God. We are talking next level boldness and tenacity in a way that people are operating in the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost. We are talking about individuals such as a Paul who was driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. Understanding and recognizing wickedness that tries to come against or toward the eternal plan and purpose of God. The eternal plan. That speaks of a plan that was conceived in the heart of God before time even began. Before God said, let there be, God already was and there was already planned. And before He laid the foundations of the earth, He knew you and He called you by name. And He said, you are mine. And come on, if that is you and you believe that, come on, just lift up a shout of praise. Hallelujah. And so what I'm actually going to do is I'm just going to get ready to close this. And then tonight I'll tell you the story. <laughs> of what happened when they tried to transport the Ark of the Covenant. But listen to this. 
in Job chapter 26 and Psalm 97. Job chapter 26 and Psalm 97. Job 26, 7 to 14 in the New Living Translation. Just listen to these words. And if you're not already in awe of God, I'm telling you, God stretches the northern sky over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in His thick clouds. And the clouds don't burst with the white. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with His clouds. He created the horizon when He separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at His rebuke. And by His power, the sea grew calm. By His skill, He crushed the great sea monster. His Spirit made the heavens beautiful. And His power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that He does. Merely a whisper of His power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of His power? The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Fire goes before Him and He consumes His foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim His righteousness and all peoples see His glory. I want to end with these questions. That if this same God who created the heaven and the earth, if He is the same God who created the heaven and the earth, why do you still believe that God somehow cannot provide for your food, for your drink, for your accommodation, and your transport? That if He truly is the God who created heaven and earth, then why do you still believe that God cannot somehow create for you a brand new organ in your body? That if He truly is the God who created the heavens and the earth, then why do you still believe that God is not able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that you could wish for, ask for, even begin to imagine? as a result of His power that is at work within you. The disciples encountered a man who was begging for Jesus to help him. And so they looked upon this man with pity, yet a question mark over why he was in that condition of predicament to begin with. For they asked Jesus, was it because of his sin? Or perhaps was it because of his parents' sin that he was afflicted in his body the way that he was? And so Jesus uttered these words. He said, no, it's not because of his sin. In fact, it's not even because of his parents' sin or anyone else's sin but it is for the glory of God to be made manifest. And so you might be facing a particular situation. You might have gone through something and you might say, Lord, what is the purpose in all of this? Lord, I've been applying the principles in your word and yet I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. It is anti-Bible, it is anti-covenant. This is not the way it should be. And yet the Lord gives us a reason to hope and to cling on to hope even in the face of no hope at all is that when we are faithful and as long as we remain faithful, being faithful in every area of our lives, pursuing Him, studying His Word, 
meditating on his word, praying, meeting him in the secret place, sowing seed, being faithful with our tithe, all of these things that we do and that we should do. And when we remain faithful in every area of our lives, fully obeying the, the voice of the Lord our God, did Jesus not say to Martha that day, that if only you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Because that day, Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to arrive a few days early. But then it would have just been a healing. But what the power of God was about to do was not just going to heal. That day was not going to be marked by a supernatural healing but a supernatural resurrection. And so even in the face of all hope that has been lost from a natural point of view, cling on to hope. Hold on to Him. Remain steadfast in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. The Bible says if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not be able to stand at all. Because in the end, without faith, what is there? Because God speaks the language of faith. He honors the language of faith. And this is why earlier this last week, I, I wrote a word that God released into my spirit for the month of February. And I'm just feeling to read this to you. I didn't plan to share it again, but I want to just read this to you. The presence of the Lord is just so incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right there where you are, you can just close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I wrote five days ago, 30th of January. That this last week, I continually heard the Lord say, watch the month of February. To watch means to be awake during the night. To be attentive or vigilant. To keep God. However, it can also mean to be expectant. Three things the Lord is saying about February. Number one, February will be a month of awakening. Believers will again develop a deep hunger for God. How oh, we have seen this. They will spend more time in the secret place than they have ever before. And that will be their strength. It is going to be a month marked by consecration and preparation for the manifestation of what is yet to come. The second thing is February will be a month marked by tremendous contending in the spirit. I had to change these words because of Facebook not liking the word warring in the spirit. But then as it was in the days of Daniel, where a 21 day fight, a war was going on in the heavenlies over destiny. The enemy is plotting against your destiny. This is not the time for passivity but for boldness in faith and in action. This month has the potential to set you up for the rest of your life. It will be a month where God will rise against everything that has brought frustration and delay and establish you in your calling purpose and destiny. Finally, the third thing, February will be a month where the tables will be turned on the enemy. It will be a month marked by sudden reversal. The unrighteous along with their schemes and tricks and snares will be exposed as they fall into their own traps. Nothing formed against you, no weapon formed against you shall succeed as the victory already has been secured. So watch, be vigilant and walk in wisdom. Stand your ground, remaining fully persuaded that God is able to do just as he has promised. Be expectant for opportunities, breakthrough, and victory in areas, listen to this, 
that have been watered by your tears for many years. Watch the month of February. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.